0: Welcome to The Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. All right. Welcome to another episode of The Real Estate Hackers. I am pumped. Ray Agliata in the house. This is going to be an awesome conversation. Ray basically spends all his time working on, man, what is one of the, I think, probably the toughest part of real estate maintenance, and and in particular, you know, the more complicated, trickier, bigger maintenance issues that come up. And uh, man, I'm pumped to to dig all in. So Ray, thanks for joining, man. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me, man. Very excited.
0: All right. So let's kind of start maybe just a kind of uh, break into your background. So Cornerstone is the company. That's right. And so you guys basically service... It's not just investment properties, right? I think you do all sorts of different... Our main focus, we're trying to be,
1: we are very investor and commercial oriented. So we don't do any work for like, you know, mom and dad property owner. We really try to stay away from that. Unless like if you call me up and said, hey, come and do my bathroom, I'd be happy, I'd be honored. To come and do your bathroom, if, that, <laughs> you do, if that's what you, you, you definitely ask.
0: do our bathroom. But, uh, yeah, so, okay, so you are totally aligned with investors, which is great, obviously. Right. Uh, you know, folks that listen, listen to this podcast are investors and, and either just getting started or have been doing this for a long time. And then the work you guys cover is, you know, a, a wide range. Is that fair? It's
1: anything from cutting grass and replacing a toilet or doing whatever to a full remodel of a property. We're, we're doing a full gut out and frame out literally right next door, a couple of doors down. And at the same time, we have a division that does everything from cutting grass to, you know, changing a flapper in the toilet. Yeah, that's crazy. So how long have you been at this? I've been doing this kind of work either on my own
0: or working for someone else for, I'd say, pretty close to five years. Where I want to start this is, you know, since you do work with investors, have you found there's a difference in working with solving maintenance issues on an investment property compared to a, a residential home where someone might live? So you don't live there.
1: So you have to keep that into consideration as you're working on these properties. So, and when I'm working with an investor, I try to give them like a fee that they're not going to be surprised. So for example, we have some clients where it's $300 to, we're using toilets as an example, we have $300 to go in and replace a toilet when when a tenant breaks the toilet. So there's no surprise. So we have some some items like that, painting, for example, is another thing where we have a flat price per square foot, um, flooring kind of thing. So there's no surprises. And then you look at the materials that you're using and the ideas that you're using. To I want to I don't want to say tenant proof, but you're better off putting in a little bit of a better quality floor and maybe using VCT tile, you know, versus putting in a cheap laminate. I'm making air quotes so nobody can see but me and you right now, using, you know, a cheap laminate to just try to get through a job or to try to do whatever. So we try to work with with clients to, and investors to do that.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I think I, I, you know, one theme that I always talk about in real estate is whenever you can find companies that specialize in working with investors and that's kind of their, their business, it leads to just so much more focus. Oh, yeah. Right, and so like anything else in life, whether that's a, a real estate agent who focuses on working with investors or a plumber, sure. you know, or anyone, it's just a different, it's a different product. Um, like our own company, we we have in-house maintenance guys, and at one point we thought, yeah, like why would we not just service the mom and pop? Yeah. somebody has got a plumbing problem; they should be able to call us. And we've actually not, we don't really do that anymore because really? we just found it's a, it's a different. I just, I always was convinced it was so similar, but the differences are enough that we said, no, let's just get really good at sure resolving issues in maintenance on investment properties it's
1: a great it's a great niche market where we i i walk into a property and i look at it like what's this investor want to accomplish what are things i was i was lucky enough on wednesday night to be at real estate hackers and we That's talked right, right? You're at and the meetup we're yeah. at the meetup and i gave a, a a talk on how to hire somebody who's a contractor who's investor focused versus the regular guy who's out there doing residential work, he's going to give you a residential price. He's, he knows residential. Whereas we may be working on an investment property and we have an idea as to, these are the kitchen cabinets that we use. This is the color paint, agreeable gray. We paint everything agreeable gray. The door's white, the ceiling's white. So this way, when you're turning your units in the in the future, uh, it's easier for you and it ends up being cheaper for you, um, you know, because we maybe don't have to paint it a second time or right. it doesn't need three coats. It needs one, yeah. you know, And that's what an investor, a guy who's doing investment work, working for investors, on any scale, would should be able to offer you.
0: Yeah. What's maybe an example of something that you see that you maybe investors do that you don't, you kind of uh, maybe don't agree with, or that you kind of uh, you you might them doing something a slightly different way could uh, you know just increase their returns long term. So we have we have a great client.
1: And what she does is she'll spend a little bit more money on things like certain items, like flooring, for example, where instead of putting in the, the cheapest dollar a square foot, whatever thing that you can get at Home Depot, she'll spend a little bit more money on like vinyl or putting in something along those lines. And it lasts a lot longer. So you you may spend a couple thousand dollars or a thousand dollars or whatever that number is today, but instead of replacing that floor three years from now, that floor is going to be in there for six years, seven years. And if you have a long-term... Uh, focus where you want to scale and you want to get bigger and bigger you know you don't want to go in there when you're turning units you don't you want to have like a and you're an expert at this i'm not but you want to have a a plan that's your material is going to last you a little bit longer you're not going to go and replace the floor every three years it'll put you out of business
0: yeah we're working on some new construction now and um, we're looking at um, another new construction project that just finished that we were a part of and uh, that project had, had just too much carpet in it. Right, and, uh, you don't want that. And I think, I think uh, you know, we've always been, you know, whenever possible, don't have too much carpet, but on this next project, I think it's gonna, we're gonna try to take it out as much, I mean, as much, of the carpet out as possible. All right. Um, it just, it just doesn't, you know, even a tenant who's only been there for a year or two, the tenant gets, the, the carpet just gets worn so fast.
1: And you can see it and it looks horrible. And then it, it in a few years when that person leaves, now you have to go in there and you have to replace it all over again. And you're right back in the same thing. And the same thing, if you spent a little bit more money and maybe you went with a different product. And this is when you're working, with, we're very investor focused. So I, that's what the kind of stuff I always pitch. Same thing with like kitchen cabinets. Maybe you can get like, you don't need, the thing that drives me crazy is buy the cheapest thing at Home Depot. You know what? That may last you a couple of years, but if you spent 500 bucks more, it costs me the same to put them in as it is whether they're the, right, cheapest. the install
0: cost is the same. It's the
1: same thing, right? So you I'm not making any more money, whatever you buy at Home Depot, right? right but right, if right. instead of lasting you three years, if they last you five, well, then you're ahead. Right. You know what I mean? I that's something that I I like to try to and not every investor listens, obviously. But right. I mean
0: that's great. Talk to me about, it. I know, I mean, one problem that we think is just so tough is uh, quality control of right. maintenance. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> uh, it's weird. It, it, it sounds so simple. And if you're building a skyscraper or you're building, a, you know, even just like a single family home from the ground up, you know, it's, it's one plot. Right. right. And so... You know, or even if you're building a couple of plots, they're all usually right next to each other. And so the same foreman can swing by every day. He can be there every day. Right. And so quality control, I'm sure it's still difficult. I'm not trying to make their job sound easy. But, but in this world, in the, in the world of kind of scatter site um, investment properties, quality control to me is, is exponentially harder. Right. I, I, I want to spend some time talking that through. I know our investors are probably thinking, yes, Chad, I agree. So what do I do? Um, how do you think about it? I mean, you know, you need to control your own quality. You, you have this right. problem as a contractor yourself with, right. what do you have? You have 20, 30 guys maybe? Right.
1: So we have we have 13 people.
0: 13 people. And okay. Right. okay. I,
1: I don't count myself. Yeah. So, so a team
0: of 14. So, I mean, quality control, that's tough. I mean, you're not, you physically are not able to go follow up on your, most of your guys' jobs probably.
1: Depends on the job. <laughs> it really, really does. I mean, I... You have to set in... So my background, when I was with Guardian Asset Management, one of the departments I ran was quality, national quality control, yeah. which if you're located in Philadelphia area, like, like we are, to do quality control in Chicago or to do without physically being there became a challenge. And I kind of came up with a little bit of a solution for having contractors um, quality control one another, which ended up being pretty cool because they really wanted to throw each other under the bus and it really worked out. But that was in the preservation field. But you have to set expectations. This is how I want the toilet put in. This is how I want the walls painted. And then I will go through a property with a, uh, like, say we're painting a property. Say we're painting one of your properties. And I'll go through with a roll of tape, a painter's tape, and I'll mark every hot spot. And if I put 100 pieces of tape on that wall, then those guys are going to come back and they're going to paint 100 spots. And eventually you hope that by doing that, they're going to say, oh, this is the way Ray wants the wall painted. Painting's a, good, a pretty good example, or this is the way Ray wants that toilet put in. There's only one way to do it. And if you hold your people accountable to that way, if it's the right guy, he's going to say, oh, I get it. This is, this is what we want to do here. You're going to get guys that push back, and maybe they're not the right people. And that's how you have to look at it.
0: So that makes a lot of sense if you're able to be on site. How do you decide if you need to be on site or not? How do you, what's the determining factor for you?
1: If it's smaller jobs, I'll do spot checks. So if it's smaller jobs and the place is empty, I like to always go to it. If there's a tenant, I don't want to disturb a tenant to say, to come in and say, hey, I want to make sure that the the handle on the kitchen cabinet was put in properly. Don't think I'm insane. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But on a larger job, I'd go to every job. If I don't go, I have an operations person. Her name is Kristen. She'll go out to the job site. We also photo document every single thing that we do. We have a workflow system called Proven. And uh, which is horrible for this because it makes me pop the mic every time I say it right? <laughs> so we use that and then we review every single picture as well. So as the job is progressing, even if I'm not there every day, we have people in the office that'll look at the photos. And then if it's a bigger job, say the job takes a week. And I instead of stopping there five times, maybe I can only stop there three times, you know, in the beginning, in the middle and at the end. We're still monitoring. It's live as these guys are taking pictures on their phones. We're looking at them. So that's a big way that we do QC. So QC8. even
0: something as simple as cutting the grass, for example, yeah. you're still getting a picture. You want to see what that grass looked like. Absolutely.
1: We look at every single picture we, where we came from. We had 50,000 lawn cuts a week. So that'll tell you. a lot of lawns. A lot of lawns that cut, right? So we would, we, I personally won't look at every picture, but we would, we would send those to QC to look at those pictures. And that's also all that you can see. As, a, as someone in this industry, you can see other things. So the guy's taking a picture of the side of the house where he cut the grass, maybe a piece of siding is off. Well, we want to notify that client and say, hey, you know, these are other things that we see while we're at the property as well. Would you like us to address those items? So we get more business from it, and the people get a little bit better quality of what they're, what they're looking for.
0: One thing I always talk to are our, our maintenance techs and our, is like when you're in a unit – if you're in the unit for cutting the grass, keep your eyes open. Yeah. <laughs> you of course. know, like because if you know, if you're in there to fix the you know, the, the sink that's not draining right, but there's like water dripping down in from the roof.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a roof issue. Maybe the bathtub upstairs is leaking. Right. Maybe there's mold right. or
0: discoloration, whatever you want to
1: call it. Right. You have to tell your your staff why you're there to do this you're not looking for other things to do, but at the same time, you want to give some kind of comprehensive report back to your client and say, I noticed this while we were on site. Yeah. What they do with it
0: is what they do with it. So you use a lot of pictures. What else do you do to kind of keep your maintenance techs on track? I guess.
1: We do trainings. We'll use training videos. Uh, In one of my jobs in the past, we actually made training videos on everything from how to how to uh wash windows believe it or not there's a way to wash windows to how to clean properly to how to we had all these training videos so try to impart those items and through training and then holding people accountable to the level of what you want them and every client is the same so i like things i hate to hear we had employees who would say oh this is just a just a hud house but you know what you got to do that hud house the same as you would do a house in in princeton you know, want the same type of quality work that you want to do. Mm-hmm. I'd rather you take an extra 10 minutes and do it right or whatever it takes to get it right as opposed to rushing through it and failing. So I really work hard on training and accountability.
0: Yeah, that's great. Have you noticed that tech is trying to make it easier to manage scatter site maintenance?
1: Absolutely. Look at the workflow that we get done with Proven where we're able to, we can put a report into Proven where we can have our, say it's a grass cotton guy who goes out there and he cuts the grass. He, we could put a report and approve it and say, please look at the following items. Please take the following pictures and we're able to do that. And then we can look at those items, take a picture of all four sides of the house. So we could say, okay, well he cut the grass, but here's is there a pool, take a picture of the pool. Does a pool need maintenance? So yeah, so you can, you can have your, you can look at your property. If you're an investor in California. You could hire my company. I'm sure you guys do this as well too. And I want somebody to go to my property once a week or once a month. I want it to, you know, check on it, cut the grass, do whatever whatever it is. I want an inspection done weekly. We have clients that we do weekly inspections for that we'll just, you know, we'll send them up, send them the pictures. And then they can decide what they want to do with that. Maybe nothing. Maybe they just want to know that the building's there, you know,
0: <laughs> the tenant hasn't burned it down,
1: you know, so that's, that's what we do.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. As hard as scatter site maintenance is, I can't imagine doing it without the access to the cloud. And tech systems like that I mean I, I guess it really speaks to one, one theme I talk about with real estate is, is seeing real estate being able to scale in a way that I think was just so much harder right you know 10, 20 years ago. right And I think that what you know with this kind of huge disruption of tech is also going to come more scaled companies who are able to ensure maintenance quality at a scale when it's, it's not just down the street because you don't have to drive there
1: right right and you can invest anywhere that makes sense there's a fellow here today i didn't get a chance to meet him but he has a large amount of properties in austin texas he's from australia so there has to be a, a tech link there where he has somebody obviously monitoring his properties he has somebody obviously doing these things for him it's great Do you know what i mean and that's that's a big role a big role for tech
0: yeah yeah no question uh you know i mean everyone always says real estate's local and uh I, man, I think that phrase goes out the door here in the, in the next couple right. of years, right? Because uh, someone who's from Australia investing in Austin, sure. Texas, that couldn't be further from being local to their side of the country or right. the other side of the world. I mean. Or the other
1: side of the world, when you yeah. think about it. And I, I, I wanted to meet him. I didn't have the opportunity to meet him. But utilizing tech, you're, you're a tech expert. So you you know a lot more about it. I, I don't know, know. I don't know about an expert. That's not fair. I know. It's not fair. <laughs> I talk about tech a lot. I know. I know how to use Proven. And I use it as workflow. and by Manipulating proven and putting things in there, putting lists in there, putting checklists in there. You can put a guy out in the field and say, look at these 20 properties. Even with lending, we have a client that we do inspections for, for uh for lending. They won't lend the next phase of the project until our inspector goes there and takes whatever pictures that they require. It could be of the dumpster and the porta potty. It's whatever they require. It could be all the rough electrical in the property. They're not local. They're I think they're in South Carolina. Yeah. And they're able to look at those and it becomes part of the lending process. Yeah.
0: You know? what um Something like Proven, do you recommend that for flippers? If someone's trying to flip a home, uh, is, it, is it the kind of app you could use for flipping homes? I, I, think you, I think
1: if you want to monitor what that contractor is doing and you're not there, I think it can, there's many programs that do it. We just utilize that one because the support and the people are great. But if you wanted to utilize a program to do that, you could. But then you'd have to have, this is why using an investor-focused contractor is important or a property management company is important because this is what we do. I don't think every plumber has proven right. or a workflow type right. kind of thing, but we do. Yeah. And we we can put it on, I could put it on your phone and for a couple dollars, you can take pictures all day long just on that one work order.
0: That's great. What's something that you see kind of coming down the pipeline Maybe something that you're excited about from a tech perspective or innovation perspective in terms of kind of, you know, scatter site maintenance of of uh, investment properties like you work on.
1: I'm a big fan of using work, the workflow program like that. And I'm a big fan of using technology to train employees, also using technology to track employees. And I think, you know, having GPS in all the vans, knowing where everyone is, we know how long it takes. We we try to create how long it takes to paint something. So if the guys painted 10 units and each unit was a 1,000 square feet, we have an idea as to how long it takes to paint a 1,000 square foot unit. Also bidding jobs. Like if you're bidding jobs off of blueprints, now there's some programs out there that you can utilize that will, it can tell you how many gallons of paint you need, how many guys you need to paint it, how long it'll take for those guys to paint how many brushes and how many roller sleeves you need to paint the job. I mean, I think that's called stacks. Um, But just even bidding on jobs plan hub place uh man some of these guys should sponsor me i'm talking about them so much (laughs) you know i mean you can learn you could use all that technology where you never even have to go to the job site
0: yeah so one thing that i i think a lot about and you're trying to hit on it is that uh pricing is just so different in real estate than is in other industries like you know if you go to order a pizza. It's pretty well known what a pizza should cost, sure. right? And not just that, but the pizza company has a, you know, here's what our pricing is, yeah. right? You go to Domino's and on your phone, you can see what the pricing is. Mm. And yet when you call up a plumber, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, pricing is so much more opaque and, and really difficult. And, you know, I mean, one thing, you know, a phrase you sometimes hear in real estate is like, oh man, the maintenance costs were high or I gotta get my maintenance costs down. And you know, I think it's hard to even compare what that means. Right. Uh, there's just not this great kind of overarching pricing model and and transparency of what what is fair pricing for a job.
1: See, we've really been working on that. We've been trying to work on. This is how much it costs to like a square foot to paint. It's a dollar fifty a square foot. And if you give me a lot, a lot of painting jobs, maybe it's a dollar twenty five. But we've we've been really working on. So the client knows this is how much it costs to do X. And we can't do that on every job. Sometimes there are some factors in there that we don't know, but we know wall prep costs this, painting a ceiling costs that, painting the walls costs this. We can send that to you, to the client, and the client has an idea. And that's how we can turn around bids so fast. When I was speaking at Real Estate Hackers, one of the complaints that people had in the, in the, in the audience was, how long does it take to get a bid back? We do it in less than 72 hours. If it's a big job, 72 hours. If it's a small job, we can get to you sometimes the same day, you know, or, or, the, or early the next morning, first thing the next morning. But we try to have some pricing guides. This is what it costs to put an interior door in. This is what it costs. Now, are we going to run into something? Sometimes. You know what I mean? But for the most part, we know that this is our pricing. A lot of contractors don't like to use standardized pricing. They go to the scene. They say, well, you know what? This is a big building. This guy must have a lot of money. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think that uh, that's. I mean, one of my goals for 2020 is getting better pricing transparency across the board. Sure. And getting that transparency into ultimately our customers' hands. Right. So that you know, because I think you know when you see it, you know, you're turning an apartment, and the apartment turn cost two grand, whatever. Mm -hmm. To know if that was fair or not, there's just so many variables that go into that sometimes. And so I think where I'd like to see the industry, our business, and and maybe just the entire industry go, is just better pricing sheets of what, you know, it's almost like abiding by AAA guidelines for pricing. right? (laughs) And it doesn't really exist right now in the marketplace, at least that I'm really aware of. I mean, I think people will say there's industry standards, maybe. But by the way, that fluctuates a ton by, by city. Sure. You know, Philadelphia pricing is gonna be totally different than Trenton, mm. d- different than Lancaster, Pennsylvania, yeah. different than New Hampton Roads, New York, New sure. York City, obviously. Um, so it's almost like you need kind of like pricing guidelines by by city, right? By region, by maybe. region, uh, and then because it would be really interesting if 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 someone can almost just say, oh, "Well, I abide by the AAA pricing or right. whatever it's called." I don't know how how you quite get it, or maybe every company has their own here's what our here's our basic pricing model. Right. Uh, and I, I think because we, we struggle with that, I mean we have we have internal maintenance techs, we have subs, and you know, we do our darndest to kind of make people adhere by pricing. But you know, especially if the job gets bigger and more complicated, mm-hmm. and it's really happens. tricky.
1: Right. And it happens. Sometimes, you know, you want to say, Hey, I want to charge a dollar fifty square foot to paint a house, but then you go there and there's a hundred hammer holes. You know, (laughs) the client, the tenant got mad because of whatever happened, and instead of pulling the nails out of the wall, we just had one of these, had 72 of these, where they hammered every single nail, the whole hammerhead into the wall. So you have to take into account that now, you know, it's going to take two days to fix that. So I kind of have to give you like some, it's not just your standard $250, we're going to prep all the walls and get ready for paint. These all have to be patched. They all have to be fixed. They all have to be sanded. May, may, some of them might need two coats. That the guy got really good with the hammer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that you could. Some things I think you can get away with saying, hey, each you know each hole cost X. Might be able to get away with kind of saying that. Some things like painting, installing a door. We could say oh, an interior door, we charge you $150 for every interior door to install an interior door, yeah. whatever that number is. If the client has an idea about it, and it minimizes surprises, I think that's I think that's important.
0: Do you do you give out pricing guidelines to customers? If someone said, "Hey, what's you know what's price per square foot of painting?" What's mm-hmm. is that something you guys have like almost like a, like a like a rate card, I guess. For your we services. have it
1: here in house for our for our people. When they put the bids together, when Brianne goes and puts her bids together, she knows what we charge per square foot to paint. She knows mm-hmm. what we charge for installing an exterior door. It's the same for anybody. Right. And if the guy called me up and said, "Hey, what's your price to install an exterior door?" As long as we're, we're not having to rebuild the front of the house, this is what it this is what it costs. Yeah. And I think that that's important that people that people can that an investor can look at that and have an idea as to what as to what they you know, what they're gonna get, what they have an
0: expectation of and it doesn't affect quality at all. I mean am I crazy to think that come back in, in twenty years there is a more nationally known pricing guide by city that that's kind of adhered upon?
1: I don't think you'll get it with everybody, but I think if, if we were staying specific in just our industry and just doing with, invest, with investor properties, I think that we, yes, I think that we'd be able to put together a pricing right. guy and, 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 and adhere to it.
0: And you're totally right that, uh, like when my mom, when my mom wants someone to come out to take care of her toilet problem, sure. uh, she's looking for a different level of customer service right. than, you know, when we, you know, when we do something for one of our rentals uh, oftentimes, the tenant's not there, sure, and the tenant does doesn't really want to talk to the person, <laughs> right? right exactly. Whereas my mom wants to offer from a cup of coffee and right. They hang may out. be there
1: for an extra half an hour, just yeah. hanging out with your mom, and
0: that's what she wants. Right. And, and honestly, if if he didn't talk to her, she would say, "I don't want to have him come back again." <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> so different expectation. Uh, right? I mean, I think that I think for sure there's there's a what does an investment property pricing look like right. within this industry. And of course, there's a whole bunch of, of weird things when there's 72 holes. You got to change pricing, but I think it'll be kind of interesting to see as as I think tech does enable that, right? Because it allows you to put pricing up in the up on any website sure. and be more transparent about it. You can charge an hour hourly
1: rate's tricky because then you get the conversation of, well, oh, the guy could have probably done it in two hours, but it really took him three. Yeah, no, I think that's, hourly rates. That's tricky. I
0: think hourly rates really tough. I mean, yeah. I, I actually, uh, I mean, that's why why you know a lot of our maintenance techs who are kind of bid out hourly. It doesn't work for a turn because what's the guy there, two days or four days? I mean, I, I can make it, anyone can make a job take four days. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. And and I think that that's
1: difficult when you start talking about an hourly rate. But if you said, this is, we're going to turn your unit and this is what this unit is going to cost. And here are some prefixed prices. Now, if we run into, we take the toilet off and we just had a client where um, we took the toilet off and the flange was broken, the whole, everything around it was all rotted out, was really, really terrible. Well, it's not $300 anymore, but there's a reason. If it was, everything was right and it was just, let's flip it, then we're able to—guy's able to get in there. He's moving quick. He, you know, he has five jobs to do that day. He doesn't have to talk to anybody. Right. And he can just bang it out. Yeah. And then you, know, you have that that's good transparency when you have prices like that. And it makes your clients want to come back. And it,
0: yeah, you know, I they know what think expect. that for, op, you know, for folks who are trying to scale in real estate, it makes things easier because— that, Look, there's the elephant in the room, which is just trust. Right, right, and I think that's in 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 maintenance is, I mean, oftentimes when I hear an owner asking a lot of questions about maintenance costs, what they're really saying, they're not saying it's too expensive. They're saying I don't, I'm not sure if I trust if the maintenance person is either bidding up the job too much or just is you know lazy and working too slow or
1: whatever. Right, exactly, and you have to overcome that, and you develop that through um, just by having a good relationship. Like. Full disclosure, we do a lot of work for you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what our... You guys are awesome. You know what our... Thank you. You know what our quality of work is, and we know what you expect. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we never want to get a call that, from you guys, that's like, you did this wrong. Oh, my Lord, I'll go crazy. Like, that is unacceptable. You know what I mean? But we hold ourselves to a little bit of a higher higher level. One
0: thing I love is uh, two two things that come to mind. So the first is um, economies of scale lead to that, right? Sure. Which is, you know, I think... Uh, you know, when you're doing a one-off job for someone, it's a little easier to say, "Look, let's bid that price up a little bit," mm-hmm. because as long as they accept the price, you come in, you get out. You make extra gone. money, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, but in a world where you're trying to scale actual services, and and, and then I think pricing transparency actually matters even more. Sure. Um, I think it's like really good for the industry overall. And the other thing that I, I always takes my mind whenever I see you is how many pictures you guys take. <laughs> And uh, We're I think about this but I think that's great. I really do I think uh, the whole like picture is a thousand words it, it, it's true that the more pictures you take um, I, I here I'll tell you the, the reverse of that. the other day I was walking a property with a, a subcontractor who wasn't ours it was okay. a, it was a client and the sub was was bidding the job and when he took the picture, and I'm not even sure what the picture was meant for, but he took it at a very certain angle with a kind of a weird Angle to, and I said, like, why did you take it that way? And I, and I thought he I was gonna say, oh, I wanted to make sure I got this, right. And instead, he said, oh, I wanted to make sure that they didn't capture the side of the whatever. The that's uh, horrible. Yeah, that's and, bad. And, and really bad. Really bad. Right. <laughs> and, bad. and I was just like, gosh, darn it. Like, that's what makes this industry so tough. Is you know that person who is intentionally taking the picture from a certain angle to not capture the whole scene. So sure. that, and I don't know what it was, maybe the cabinet, I think he was trying to say the whole cabinet has to be replaced. And I don't think he wanted them to see that, like, mm, actually, I'm looking at it, the cabinet looks fine. Right. Maybe it doesn't need to be replaced, yeah. right? He's trying to hustle them. Yeah. So it's interesting, as photography and video technology gets better, I wonder if we'll see more proliferation of kind of just getting more visuals out there. See, we look at it differently. We want to take a picture
1: of everything, and we train our staff only one way to do it, take a picture of everything. And we do that because if it's right, it's right, and if it's wrong, we want to have a picture of it. And it's also a great way, we had a client who did a lot, a lot of work to a property, and the tenant was still in there, like $5,000 work to the property that the city said he needed to do. We documented everything. When the inspector from the city went back, half of this stuff was damaged again. But they took all that into consideration. We had like five or 600 pictures of this property. Yeah. So it's not only important for documentation, it's really important we make a record. We're we're documenting it. We're making it a record. And then I want to, if that cabinet's great, awesome. If that cabinet's damaged, I want to show you. Like I'm not, like we just go around the room and take pictures. You know what I mean? We're not looking to, that's horrible. That I I would question that
0: contractor. Yeah, we are not going to hire him. (laughs) I would question Um, him. All right, man, Ray, uh, before we leave, any, anything else super interesting that you want to, final thought you want to hit on of, uh, you know, what, hey, let, me, let me give you this. This is a good one. Okay. What is, what's the biggest th- mistake you see investors make? One mistake that you see them make over and over again.
1: If you're going to buy a property, no matter if it's a turnkey This is or good. You got an answer. Like, you got an answer on the spot. Well, because this drives me crazy. Reserve 10% of your money for repairs. And if you need to have a repair, I learned this from Matt Faircloth, if you, and you're going to laugh, right? But if you need to have a repair done on a property, you have the funds to do it. Reserve that and don't think cheap. Think what's right. And if you can do things properly and maybe you spend a little more money today, but it lasts for 10 years as opposed to lasting for two years, you know, you should take those things into consideration.
0: Yeah, I think in general, the, the more often than not doing things the right way works.
1: Right, scale you want to scale, and that's right, right. Think big. Think what's your bigger picture,
0: and have a bigger picture. Think big. It's awesome, man. Thanks, Ray, for joining us here. Ray Agliata, heads up, Cornerstone, a uh, property maintenance company that we work with. We love, do high quality work, do some really tough stuff, the kind of scatter site maintenance. Cutting lawns and... Uh, you name
1: it, we'll do it for you fixing guys. Fixing toilets.
0: Love it. Uh, is there anything you guys don't do? We do everything in-house
1: unless it's something like installing an electrical panel or doing whatever. We have very good vetted subcontractors okay. for that kind of work. So we vet our own guys to do that. So if you had that work... We wouldn't turn it down. We would say, "Here's yeah. some subcontractors." But your sweet that we spot would is more that uh, right.
0: that everyday handyman. Yeah, you know the drywall, all those jobs. You name
1: it, we can do it. Any kind of handyman, kind of work inside, but we really focus on investor properties. Cool. Out of New Jersey?
0: we we'll do New Jersey. here
1: in Trenton? Right here, right? Literally right here where we're speaking. We're right at the right Trenton Hive to
0: her. here today. People make fun of me because we do a lot of these podcasts in Trenton. They're like, Chad, are you always in Trenton? No, I just, I seem to do a lot of podcasts here. Yeah,
1: You do. You've been busy all day. You've had like four or five of these uh, today.
0: I've been busy. I've been busy. <laughs> um, but yeah, headquartered here in Trenton. You do Pennsylvania too, right? We you do, know? yep. Bucks County, Philadelphia County, Pennsylvania. Hi, All right, man. Thanks, Ray. Uh, What's a good way for people to reach you if they want to reach out?
1: We've took a couple different ways. Our office number is 732-640-5518. And you can check us out on the web at propertyrealtyservices.com.
0: Cool. Ray Aguiana. And of course, this is awesome. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, my man. I'll see you. Bye-bye now. Hey, guys. Chad here. And we've got a special announcement that I am super psyched about. We are announcing the first ever Real Estate Hackers Conference. Get excited. It's called The Next Generation of Real Estate Investing, focused on really the future of where investing is going, combining real estate, tech, and all the innovation coming about. It's gonna be held in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at the Lancaster Convention Center. We're gonna have 40 speakers, including many folks that you've heard on this podcast, folks like Matt Faircloth, Jerry Horst, Anna Kelly, Michael Manthi, even Eric Cabral, who produces the show, will be there. Networking at night on Friday and Saturday at some super fun places within walking distance of the event. And we're going to have a 100 vendors We're cross investing. These are folks I wish I had met when I first started investing in real estate. Each will even have a discount coupon to save you money the first time you work with them. April 3rd, 4th, and 5th at the Lancaster Convention Center. Go to realestatehackersconference.com to learn more. That's realestatehackersconference.com. Use the code HACKERS to save 50 bucks, and man, I hope to see you there. It's gonna be an awesome, awesome weekend. On to the show. Thanks for joining us today. I have one more request. If you like this show, could you just please give us a review on Apple Podcasts? I'd really, really appreciate it so more investors can hear about us. Follow us at Real Estate Hackers on Instagram. If you're cool like my wife, And if you have a great real estate hack, hit me up. Maybe we'll get you on this show. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Eric and team are unbelievable. Thanks for all you do for the show. See you soon.